What's up, everybody? Welcome once again to Syracuse Basketball Post Game, presented by Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for SU Athletics. My name is Brent Dax, and well, you can't ruin Jim Beheim Day. Syracuse almost did, though. A 29-point lead evaporates down to three. The Orange never lost the lead, but certainly almost did, as Notre Dame goes on a furious second-half rally, but the Orange ultimately triumph. 88 to 85 and we got a lot of ground to cover here on Syracuse basketball post game today we're going to hear from our Syracuse sports insiders coming up we've got some post game locker room sound for you from coach Autry and the players and the special guest of the day Jim Beheim, and a lot to go over in this one here and I'll tell you what we could do the entire show on Jim Beheim day we really could I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because frankly like I said we could do the entire show on Jim Beheim Day, but certainly it was a, a special day for a lot of people to see all the former players in, to see the fans come in and stick around an entire ceremony after the game. I mean, watch the video. If you haven't, it was first class by Syracuse all the way. All the videos that they did throughout the game from so many former players and coaches and big names, Mike Shashevsky and Roy Williams and Mike Hopkins and there were funny ones from Dan Patrick. My favorite one was from Gino Ariema, who was just shredding Beheim apart and then had a heartfelt message for Coach Beheim as well. Beheim's message to the crowd afterwards. They put the banner up in the rafters. I mean, you're thinking to yourself, man, what more can be said about Jim Beheim and, you know, the story of Jim Beheim and the wins and the Final Fours and the National Championship and the Hall of Fame. And it feels like you've heard every story, but I think there were some new things that came to light, some funny uh, tidbits from the videos and the tribute afterwards. Mike Tirico, of course, just hit it out of the park because he's freaking Mike Tirico and you would expect that. So it was a great day uh, for Syracuse fans. It just kind of encapsulated everything about what Jim Beheim meant to the program. In one day, and I thought that everybody involved did an excellent job. It was a first-class day, and I think fans walked away really happy with that. So if you didn't get a chance to watch the post-game ceremony, it's on YouTube. You certainly uh, can take some time to watch that. It was a big part of the day, and it was a special day to see all those former players there and just everybody involved with it. I'm going to forget some things because so much happened in this one, but as Jim Beheim joked around in his post-game address to the crowd at the JMA Wireless Dome, what was once a boring game got a little interesting because Syracuse forgot to play defense. And look, guys, it's February 24th. There's only three games left in the regular season. March is just around the corner here. The postseason beckons. This team is not going to win with defense. This team is going to win the way they've won three of their last four. And then Syracuse was in this win-loss, win-loss, win-loss pattern for so long here. And in this case, they put together back-to-back -to -back wins. That's something they have not done in a minute. They have not done, I believe, since mid-January at this point. And they did it by having an incredible second half, which was partially fueled by defense, pardon me, in the first half, because Syracuse gets a lot of steals. They get a lot of transitions. Notre Dame was turning the ball over left, right, and every direction in between. Syracuse had 31 points off turnovers in this game. That's how they won the game. They got up so big in the first half, getting points off turnovers. 
but 13 of those turnovers came in the first half for the Irish. They only committed four in the second half. So the turnovers, the steals, the gifts you were getting from Notre Dame slow down in the second half. What happens? There's a defensive breakdown. Notre Dame was getting what it wanted. It could not miss 69% in the second half of this game. Notre Dame shoots 62%. So if you can allow an opponent to shoot 62%, and that is way too many opponents that have done that against Syracuse this year, and win, you'll take it by the hair on your chinny-chin-chin. Another cardiac Cuse win for the Orange. Burton was huge for Notre Dame today, Marcus Burton with 28 points. And so we're going to get into this a little bit with Judah Mintz coming up, and I, who I thought had a good game depending on how you look at it in this one. One of five Syracuse players in double figures. But Notre Dame outscores Syracuse 56-39 to in the second half. We mentioned they shot 69%. The turnovers dried up, and boy, Syracuse never lost the lead. But what was once a 29-point lead, evaporates so look this is not a good defensive team it's too late for this team to be a good defensive team outside of the steals in the transition defense that they're good at but that is kind of short-lived you can't play 40 minutes of defense that way and this team has yet to put together a 40-minute defensive game this year guys go back to the first game of the year new hampshire same thing we're here (laughs) way down the road in late February, and they're playing the same way there. But where they have evolved is offensively, and there were a few guys that really stood out there today. Now, he didn't have the biggest numbers in the world, but you know what I'm going to start with today? I'm going to start with Justin Taylor because we have ragged on Justin Taylor a lot. I put myself on that list. I think it's only fair to look at what Justin Taylor is in there to do. He's in there to score. Now, is he great at defensive rotations? Did he have some great defensive plays today and some key plays that sent the ball the other way? Yes, but this was only the second game in which Justin Taylor scored in double figures in ACC play. But see, here's the thing, guys. What you got from Justin Taylor today is I think all people are asking for. 10, 12 points. He attacked the basket. They were setting up more cut plays for him. Because when you're Justin Taylor, and Mike Waters made a great point about this after the game. I heard Mike and Justin talking about this, that Justin today, He's got a 6'10 guy on him. He's out of position. So everybody he's guarding is three or four inches taller than him, and they're, in most cases, bigger than him. So what Justin has to do is use his speed, cut to the basket, and that's what he did today. And he had a couple of confident shots, a nice reverse shot underneath the basket. What you saw from Justin Taylor in 21 minutes today is, I think, all people have been asking for. 10 points, 12 points, because you can't look at the box score after the game and see two points and hear Coach Autry or whoever it is afterwards once again talk about the great defense that he played and all these things. Not that it doesn't matter, but I think what we saw today is all people have been asking for. And Autry put up a staunch defense of Justin Taylor that I'm going to play for you a little bit later on in the postgame show. So not the biggest score in the game, but I wanted to give uh, some flowers to Justin because, you know, frankly, he's he, he's had a rough year and – he admitted it himself, and if he contributes to a win by scoring, which he did today, it needs to be noted. But one of five guys, as we mentioned, in doubles, just, uh, pardon me, Judah Mintz with 21 points today, 7 of 14. That's right on the cut line of where you want Judah to be. I think offensively, Judah was uh, was smarter today, only took a few threes, attacked the basket, 
did what Judah Mintz does. He didn't get to the free throw line a ton. Six of seven, though, when he got there. And I, seven, that's a lot, Brent, not for Judah. You know, Judah can get 12, 13, 14 free throws. So I liked his balance offensively. Frankly, defensively, Burton really had him. Burton shook off him a while. Now, we've got to be fair about this because in the second half, Judah Mintz banged his left knee and was clearly affected by it. He had to go sit on the bench for a while, and when he came back out, he was slowed by it, and Burton took full advantage of that to go to 28 points. Shrewsbury hits a couple of threes. The the, the coach's son, and that coach was fired up today, as we'll talk about here shortly. But Notre Dame ends up, let's see here, 12 of 21 from three-point range in this game with Shrewsbury, all six of his shots, uh, from three-point range, you have six of nine there. Burton hits a couple. They started to balance it out a little bit from the three-point line. Judah struggled on the defensive line. And again, this is a team on a whole that struggled on the defensive end, particularly in the second half of this game. So I'm not picking on him in particular in this case, but Burton just really took advantage of the injury. And even before that, Judah was having trouble guarding him. But you get 21 points out of Judah Mintz, and the way he got it today, You'll take that. He was the leader they needed to be. The ball was moving in the first half. You know, I had I met a couple of our Syracuse Sports Insiders today. Shout out to my guy, Brian, who I got to meet at the Dome today in particular. Shout out to Claire, who came from Boston, and Claire's lovely British accent. That was a nice surprise when I met uh, Claire, one of our great Syracuse Sports Insiders today. And we were just all kind of having the same conversation. I said, look, if they move the ball, they're just a different basketball team. And they did that in the first half. And then all of a sudden in the second half, defensive breakdowns, they go back into ISO play. Uh, Quadir Copeland didn't have the best game today, just seven points for him, three of nine from the field. And he was forcing a lot of shots in the paint. You saw more ISO ball. J.J. at 14 today against uh, you know his former team, albeit just for a year. But, you know, the team you committed to and thought you were going to play you know, two, three, four years of college at before he ends up, of course, transferring back here to Syracuse. Six of 17, shooting for him. Malik Brown with 14 points and seven rebounds today, five assists as well. That's the sneaky thing about Malik Brown we don't talk enough about is how good of a passer he is. And he had five assists on the day, which, well, along with Quadir, that's how Quadir kind of made up for his lost shots, also had five assists on the day today for Syracuse. So, those are your five guys in doubles today, but man, the tale of two halves that this team is, I mean, they're entertaining, right? You can't say, what do I always say on this show? I don't root for your team. I root for interesting. This is a very interesting basketball team, but it started at the end of the first half. The first thing that Adrian Autry said when he came into postgame was we had to carry our what was it? I think I actually have the clip. If I don't, I believe it was here. I, I wrote it down. Give me a second here because he knew it and he knew that's kind of where this team is. It says, uh, here it is. We have to figure out how to keep that first half into the second half. Adding quote, I was happy that we got it out another win, even losing the big lead. But I thought the first half was just as good as the NC State first half. I felt that the ball moved, but then saying second half, naturally, teams are going to make a run. But I thought a lot of it was us. So I give Autry credit for saying that. And a lot of the players kind of echoed that, that they're going to make a run. They're going to play better in the second half. But 69% outscoring you 56-39 in the second half. I mean, Notre Dame is not one of the better offensive teams 
in the ACC. If anything, they're one of the better defensive teams in the ACC. And Syracuse was able to overcome that today because, like we said, Notre Dame handed them 13 turnovers in the first half of this game. So that's something to think about. When you have, It's one thing when NC State does it, who, frankly, is, is a bad defensive team, and Chris Bell's camping in the corner and drops 26 points on you in the first half. North Carolina is a team that loves to push the pace. You can go up and down the floor. You can get into a rhythm, right? So when you're in that offensive groove, the Georgia Tech game was anything but that, of course, one of the worst shooting performances and offense performances of the year. But that, in recent history for Syracuse, is turning out to be the blip on the radar because three of the last four games, Syracuse has been great on the offensive end, but they've also had to hold on for dear life. NC State ends up being a four-point game. This ends up being a three-point game. And guys, that's how they're going to win. They just got to outscore you, hold on tight on defense, if that's man, if it's zone, if it's whatever it is. And this is just not a good defensive team. They can be at times, but top to bottom, they're not. And they're going to win by how they beat Notre Dame today, how they beat NC State earlier this week, how they beat North Carolina last week. And uh, there's a pattern there, typically, of when Syracuse wins. And it means they're rolling on the offensive end here. So another adventure at the Dome, for sure. But this is a team that's starting to find a groove a little bit on the offensive end. And, you know, the big question a lot of people have is, are they a bubble team? Jim Beheim took a shot at Joe Lenardi in his postgame address to the crowd saying, unlike what Lenardi says, this is a bubble team. They're not. Now, we can quibble with the net rankings. And somebody has, uh, my guy Mark, Texan Mark, who's a huge Syracuse fan. A lot of you guys probably know Texan Mark because he's like the king of tailgating for Syracuse football. He sent me a great stat that we're going to hear from our Syracuse Sports Insiders here when we go to you guys in just a couple of minutes here about what Syracuse would be in the RPI versus the net ranking. But the net ranking is what they use, and Syracuse just has not done enough damage there. you got to start thinking about next year and scheduling and how you improve the net ranking. Hopefully they change some things with the net ranking because particularly the Big 12 has found a way to game the system and I didn't see the broadcast because I was at the Dome, but apparently it only took Bayheim like 30 seconds to rip apart the the net rankings on the ESPN broadcast, which he should because they're inherently flawed at this point, right? The Big 12 has gained the system. The ACC, I think, only has like four teams projected to gain right now, and I think we're starting to see that numbers and analytics, while important, the human element and the – look – we can just go back to the old BCS football system if you want. It's all numbers-based. They're trying with the committee to make it a balance between numbers and net and all the analytics versus people that watch basketball and can opine on what they see, right? Bottom line is Syracuse's room for error is so razor thin that a lot of you guys were asking me on the text, do they have to win out just to get back on the bubble? And my answer is yes, based on the system that's in play, and we know how they put these teams into the tournament, right? There's only four ACC teams in right now. I'm not saying that's right, but that's the system that they have. But what Syracuse is doing down the stretch is playing a lot better on the offensive end. But if you're going to go on a a heater like that and win a couple of games in the ACC tournament, you got to play defense. This is just not a good defensive team. So yin and the yang. That being said, and I have a clip from Beheim I'm going to play from his post-game speech, which focuses on this team. So Syracuse now, 
I just want to look up some numbers here on this, just to give you a little perspective on that in terms of where this team is at, okay? Tell you what, let me find that when we play the Bayheim clip because I think that'll that'll go better when we play that clip. Uh, so in the meantime, let us go to some post-game uh, reaction here and some things that were said in the locker room. I mentioned that Autry, I mean, really, I, I have... Certainly that Wake Forest post game he had was as strong as he has been in terms of critical of his team and as forceful as he has been at a post game press conference. But this was right up there in terms of defending a player. Look, these guys, and I'll give Autry credit for the honesty here because coaches will often go up there and say, oh, we don't hear that stuff. We don't read, you know, Syracuse.com and we don't, they hear it, they read it, they see it, especially with social media. And even if they don't read it, you know, what will somebody do? They'll text it to you. They'll put it right on your phone, whether you want to see it or not. And that's criticism if that's things that are being said on shows like this, whatever the case may be, right? They hear it, they know it, right? And you know it. And hearing Autry talk about Justin Taylor here, let's listen. Excited for Justin Taylor. Uh, I thought our guys did a great job of, of finding him. I thought he came out uh, with a mindset of being a mover. Um, and, and creates his own opportunities for himself. I think we can do that a little bit more. Um, but I was happy for him. Just a guy that has, you know, toughness. He shows up every day. And, uh, you know, and, uh, as a coach, those are the guys you pull for. You pull for your team, obviously. But when you have a guy that is, you know, having played the best that he, he's capable of, you know, he didn't hold his head down. He kept working. So, and I'll say this right now, I'll take a bullet, and I'll just, I don't care what any of you guys say. I'm with, I'm with these guys every day. Every day. All right, these are young men that are trying to help us win. And they do everything I ask them to do. So, um, when I have players like that, I don't care what you say. You know, those are the guys that I stick with and I go with. Because they show up every day. Justin Taylor is an everyday guy. In this game, sometimes you're going to go through not making a shot. You're going to go through some stuff, but he never quit. Always kept back. That's what it's about. And that's what should be talked about. Pretty strong words there from Adrian Autry. You expect the coach to defend his player, but that was as staunch and strong a defense I have heard. Uh, certainly Autry give one of his players, and particularly a player that has struggled uh, this year in the way that Justin Taylor has struggled. A couple more from the locker room here. Let's listen into uh, Judah Mintz on what he saw in that second half. Just making sure we got stops. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, they never had the lead. Uh, so, they, you know, we knew they were going to have to catch us in order to win the game. You know, they came all the way back. They hit almost every shot they took, it felt like, in the second half. And, they still couldn't win. So, I mean, we we still we just knew we had to contain them. Uh, we didn't have to do anything crazy. Just contain them and we would win. A couple of from Chris Bell here on uh, his shooting and his offense. As I don't really take it as that. I think people just watch what they watch. So, it's like a lot of times you see me taking catch and shoot threes. And, you know, I don't really take no offense to it. I can do a lot more. It's just I'm going to play my role to the best of my ability. So, that's really it. And, um it's not really me trying to prove anything to anybody else. I can always do those things. It's just, you know, getting outside my comfort zone and getting comfortable. 
And the question that led into that, I said, Chris, you know, were you affected by people saying that you're basically just standing in the corner and you're a catch and shoot guy? That wasn't the case today. He was all over the place. He had some, well, he had a couple catch and shoot threes. Don't get me wrong, but they were contested. He had some shots in the paint. He had a great turnaround jumper with a guy in his face. Chris has been terrific overall offensively. And we're seeing his game kind of bloom a little bit here. And guys, we're at the point of the year, okay, where you're not just thinking about down the stretch, what this team's going to do. Can they get back into the tournament conversation, what they do in the ACC tournament? Let's be honest here. We're starting to look over the horizon to next year because with the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness, everyone's a free agent at the end of the year. And there are guys that it's just critical that Syracuse gets back next year. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't always have Chris Bell on this list. Seeing what Bell has done in, let's put it, the last five to six games of the year, we're seeing his offensive game bloom, the confidence he's playing with. I'm going to put him on the critical list, okay, along with you want Quadir Copeland back. You want Chris Bell back. You want Malik Brown back. You certainly want J.J. to come back. I think we're all under the assumption that Judah Mintz is going to give it a go in the pros. And we'll kind of see where I think you'd take him back for another year, but I'm kind of operating under the assumption he's not going to be back next year. There's always a couple of surprises in the portal, but if you're talking about the gots to get back guys, I'm putting Chris Bell on that list now. Here's what he felt was the difference in the second half. What do you see is kind of the difference between the first and the second half? Um, energy, uh, focus, uh, what is it? Lack of attention to detail, obviously. Um, Especially in the ball screen, for myself too as well. Uh, I was a little bit slow-footed, guarding the guards, and just I felt like we were leaving people we shouldn't have been leaving, and just made a few defensive mistakes that got them back in the game. So you know, just being more focused, locked in on those parts of the game. So that's Chris Bell there, and the last uh, clip I wanted to play. And again, if you missed the the Bayheim celebration, go check it out on YouTube. Take it all in. It was it was so well done. The one clip I wanted to highlight from Bayheim was what he said about this current team here. And keep this in mind, and we'll kind of go over the stat after this. Autry got to 18 wins today. Okay, here's the big I'd also like to congratulate Adrian, staff, the players, for having an amazing year this year. difficulties and playing six sophomores and to be in the position they're in, I think is an unbelievable, unbelievable coaching year. So he's at 18 wins. All things considered, and Beheim mentioned a few of the things there with the injuries, the uh, dismissal of Benny Williams, and some of the difficulties this team has gone through this year. Jim Beheim's last few records at Syracuse. 17 and 15, 16 and 17, 18 and 10, 18 and 14, 20 and 14. So that 20 and 14 season was the 2018-19 season Syracuse lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament to Baylor that year, who went on to win the national championship, I believe the next season, if not soon after that. Okay. What Autry did by getting to his 18th win today is something that Bayheim did not as tied but Beheim didn't eclipse 18 wins in his last four seasons. Autry gets one more win this season, which I think he's going to. He'll have done something Beheim didn't do in his last four seasons as head coach. All things considered, 
all the injuries, the ups and downs, and the adversity that this team has gone through this year and some of the things we've talked a lot about on the show. I thought that was interesting to note, and he's uh, you know one away from uh, eclipsing that. We'll see if he can get to the 20-win the plateau. Who had that on their bingo card, that they would get the 20 wins this year, especially as we saw how the season was going along here. All right, friends, let's get to it. Our Syracuse Sports Insiders, uh, we're buzzing on this one, and we'd love for you to become a Syracuse Sports Insider and grow, uh, be a part of our growing community. And again, I met a bunch of you guys today. Great to see Brian and Claire and some of our regular Syracuse Sports Insiders that came by. Shout out to my guy Jay, who I love to see not only at games, but uh, in uh, the produce section at Wegmans, typically on Sundays. And uh, what being a Syracuse Sports Insider means is you can text me directly anytime. Your questions, your comments, your opinions, your thoughts on all things Syracuse sports. I text you back. You get group texts where everybody gets uh, insight and analysis from me pretty much every day. And once in a while, we'll take a Sunday off or something like that. But we're sending you info on Syracuse basketball, football. The news never stops there. We're into the heart of lacrosse season now. Big win for the Syracuse women's lacrosse team against Notre Dame. Speak of the devil, by the way, beating the number two Irish today. Huge win for Kayla Trainer's team and company. Uh, Syracuse women's basketball, of course, is they're coming down the stretch here, getting ready to play in the NCAA tournament. Being a Syracuse sports insider means you get all the inside analysis from me. You get priority on this podcast and our Syracuse sports podcast ideas for this show. I give you guys a heads up and we're about to record a podcast and get your thoughts on that show questions for the people we've had on like recently a Syracuse offensive coordinator Jeff Nixon so we'd love for you to be a Syracuse sports insider and the cool thing about it is you can try it free for two weeks and the way you do that is just text the word orange to 315-847-3895 sign up try it free for two weeks and then it's just $3.99 a month after that let's dive in see what our insiders were saying about this one from Rob W says cardiac cues once again, almost pulled defeat out of the jaws of victory. Losing a 29-point lead on Jim Beheim Day would have been a total gut punch. From Scotty K, who says it's fitting on Jim Beheim Day that Syracuse looks like a Jim Beheim team. Suffocating defense, forcing turnovers, fast break action, and lots of points. This is what we saw for 47 years. Uh, probably about 44 of those years. I think some of those things tailed off at the end, but uh, point taken there, Scotty. Bill from Florida says, Taylor finally coming out of the corner looking for the ball, and the others finally looking for him. Always seemed like the forgotten man on the court. From Frankie S., who says, I really just wanted to enjoy Jim Beheim Day. All I wanted was a laugher, and we had that for 19 minutes. It's just mind-boggling how Jekyll and Hyde this team can be at times. From Gabe, who says, what the bleep almost happened today? That would have ruined my day and any others at the Dome today. We talked about taking their foot off the gas pedal, just avoided an epic collapse today. From Randy H. says, Syracuse was fortunate to win this game. We'll take it, but this team simply cannot put 40 minutes together. They're going to have to outscore, not out-defend people to win games. From Mike MC, who says, I really like this team, and I love Autry, but when this team is going to put forth a defensive effort for a complete game, when they space and move the ball, they can play with anybody. From Jack H., who says, all season, except for maybe the North Carolina game, Syracuse has played bad during the middle 10, last five of the first half, first five of the second half. He adds, that can't happen. Something needs to change there. All in all, a win is a win. And Syracuse needs to cling to that. I don't think they can afford to lose again this season. 
if they want to go to the big dance. From Texan Mark, now I brought this up earlier. So Mark notes that this team is an 8-10 to NCAA seed under the RPI. Under the net, a four seed in the NIT. Our reality, whether we like it or not, in my opinion, we're worthy of an NCAA bid. But Mark adds this. Syracuse is going to have to schedule smarter next year, right? Spot on. Spot on. Now, the dreaded RPI, right? They used to just count on RPI, and then that wasn't good enough. And then they, the selection committee, as much as they have made the process a little more transparent, they have the mock exercise, they bring in reporters. I know Mike Waters has done that, I believe, more than once, where you go in and you act, you act as the committee. They put you in the exact role that the committee is. Here's the information that's available to them. This is how they fill out the bracket, and the net ranking comes along, right? And there was a while there where I really liked the net ranking because it was pretty transparent. This is what you get for this win. Quad one, quad two, quad three. You had to schedule better. The teams that just piled on the cupcakes, and frankly, for a while, Syracuse was in that category until the last 10 years or so when they smartened up and made the non-conference schedule better because the committee looked at four months of basketball, not just two months of basketball in conference play, right? So Syracuse got better at scheduling tougher non-conference opponents. But the more we've gone down this road, the more it's been discovered how you can game the system. The Big 12 has done an excellent job of this in their non-conference and how it works, and you're just beating up on each other, right? The ACC has really been affected by this and how competitive the league is. That used to be rewarded for right? But the net ranking doesn't quite reward you for this. There are teams that Syracuse has beaten twice that have been ranked above them in the net ranking. And I just feel like we've gone way into, you know, analytics territory here, not on eye test and things like head-to-head wins. And the RPI is actually still used very heavily in lacrosse to determine the NCAA tournament field there. And Syracuse got burned by that last year. I don't think they would have gotten anyway. But Gary Gate on the lacrosse side scheduled a, a tough, and Syracuse always has a tough schedule in lacrosse, but he didn't, I think there's only two teams, maybe three. I'd have to double check my math, but it's a much shorter list of teams above the top 50 in RPI because they just, that's the metric they use, right? The net ranking, I do like some of it. I, I actually do like some of it because you, you know going in, fans are engaged in it, not just by the way, in late February, we're talking about quad wins in December, right? So I like that, and you know exactly what the standing is. But clearly, the game, the, the they have gamed the system and they figured out how to manipulate it, and it's not everything. Now, do I think Syracuse is an NCAA tournament worthy team? In the old way, back in my day, they would be a bubble team at eighteen and ten, nine and eight in the ACC. So when Jim says, forget what Lenardi says, they're a bubble team, he's kind of right. But he's wrong in the sense of, based on how they pick the tournament now, and we know how they do it, they're not a bubble team. They keep winning. You beat Virginia Tech, go down the stretch, win all the games left. You get uh, Louisville and Clemson after that, particularly Clemson. What a win that would be for Syracuse. Now you're back in the conversation. But it goes back to what I said earlier, guys. Now, this team has won three of its last four. They have won back-to-back games. Let me check on that. So let's just go through coming into this game, right? They beat NC State. 
lost to Georgia Tech, beat North Carolina, lost to Clemson, beat Louisville by two, 94-92, hence the you know defensive issues this team has, lost to Wake Forest, prompting the uh, big postgame response from Autry, lost to Boston College, so there was two losses there. NC State lost, beat NC State, lost to Florida State, beat Miami on a last-second jumper, three-point shot by Quadir Copeland, let's not forget. Beat Pitt. So that's the last time they went back-to-back games. January 16th when they beat Pitt and when they barely beat Miami at the Dome on the Quadir jumper. Uh, I keep saying jumper, on the three-point shot. And the great one of the great highlights of the year. But now you got a team that's won three of its last four. And how did they win three of their last four? 86-79 over Carolina, 87-83 over NC State, 88-85 over Notre Dame. I sense a pattern here, guys. So you got Virginia Tech, last home game of the year, Tuesday night at the Dome. You go to Louisville, you go to Clemson for the rematch with Joe Girard and company, and they get Louisville again, who they barely beat by two points. Then you got to go win a couple in the ACC tournament. Can you win all those games that I just mentioned? The way they've won three of the last four. That's the big question for this team. They are getting into a groove offensively. They sense what their identity is offensively. But you got to play defense at some point. You got to make some stops. Not taking away, again, how this team gets steals in transition and took full advantage of that today. Notre Dame with 17 turnovers, 13 of those coming in the first half. A lot of those created by Syracuse. That's great. But you're going to run into teams that... Uh, handle the ball better. You're going to run into teams that can score with you, as Notre Dame started to in the second half, and you got to make stops if you're going to win four or five, five of six, six of seven, and hold on to that fleeting hope that this team can get back in a tournament contention, right? In the old ways, they were a bubble team. In the new way, it's just not good enough. Just not good enough. But they won today. And a great day at the Dome, Jim Beheim celebration, all the former players there, the great video tributes, the banner up in the Dome. And, yeah, it's, they won, so we can say this now, right? It was an entertaining second half of basketball. This was turning into a bit of a laugher. But the thing is, as we close up for this edition of Syracuse Basketball Postgame, guys, not a soul in that building thought that lead was safe. Because that's been this team this year. That's been this cardiac Cuse team. Not a soul thought that lead was safe. Talking to some people at halftime, you're turning to the people you're watching the game with, either at the Dome or wherever you are watching today. They're up 49-29 at halftime. How many of you said, got this in the bag? Not one of you. Because that's just been this team this year, right? They certainly make it interesting. And they made it a win today. To get to 18 and 10 on the year, 9 and 8 in ACC play. Five guys in double figures, as we mentioned, and uh, we'll see what the Orange can do when they wrap up the Dome slate Tuesday night. Virginia Tech is next up. That's a 7 o'clock tip. We'll have a post game show to follow that one as we have all season long here on Syracuse Basketball Post Game, presented by Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for SU Athletics. I thank our Syracuse Sports Insiders. For the great texts and insight throughout the game. That's the beauty about being a Syracuse Sports Insider. You can just text me during the game. I text you back. It's a beautiful thing, man. We love to have you join the, the community. Just text the word ORANGE to 315-847-3895. 
and become a Syracuse Sports Insider today. That's going to wrap it up for this edition, though, of Syracuse Basketball Postgame. As Syracuse wins on Jim Bayheim Day, knocking down the Irish 88-85. to 85. We'll talk to you next time, guys. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you soon.